coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Friday to you. Well, yesterday was eventful, right? Not a good day for conservatism. Between Pat Robertson passing away and then, I mean, like, Almost immediately after my show goes off the air, I'm done for the day. Boom. Trump, more indictments. So we got plenty to talk about. Later in the show, we do have Media Matters senior climate and energy writer Eviando Cooper. He will be with us to talk about uh, media coverage when it comes to the uh, climate and environmental rulings uh, of recent uh, weeks, months, years. Of course, there's so much going on. Uh, when it comes to the discussion of climate and the environment this week, the wildfires in Canada, even here locally with the South River watershed imperiled by another facility being built, a.k.a. Cop City, the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility, where an old prison farm used to be. But of course, we have to talk about the Donald Trump indictments. And uh, first things first, let's go to the Department of Justice press conference from earlier this afternoon. Good afternoon. Today, an indictment was unsealed, charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws, as well as participating in a conspiracy to obstruct justice. This indictment was voted by a grand jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida, and I invite everyone to read it in full to understand the scope and the gravity of the crimes charged. The men and women of the United States intelligence community and our armed forces dedicate their lives to protecting our nation and its people. Our laws that protect national defense information are critical to the safety and security of the United States, and they must be enforced. Violations of those laws put our country at risk. Adherence to the rule of law is a bedrock principle the Department of Justice, and our nation's commitment to the rule of law sets an example for the world. We have one set of laws in this country, and they apply to everyone. Applying those laws, collecting facts, that's what determines the outcome of an investigation. Nothing more and nothing less. The prosecutors in my office are among the most talented and experienced in the Department of Justice. They have investigated this case hewing to the highest ethical standards, and they will continue to do so as this case proceeds. It's very important for me to note that the defendants in this case must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. To that end, my office will seek a speedy trial in this matter consistent with the public interest and the rights of the accused. We very much look forward to presenting our case to a jury of citizens in the Southern District of Florida. In conclusion, I would like to thank the dedicated public servants of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, with whom my office is conducting this investigation and who work tirelessly every day upholding the rule of law in our country. I'm deeply proud to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Thank you very much. Special Prosecutor Jack Smith giving us the lowdown 
as the Trump indictments were unsealed earlier today. He said that violations of those laws put our country at risk, that there are one set of laws and they apply to everyone, but also that the defendants in this case must be presumed innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Naturally, since last night, right-wing Twitter sphere and politicians and pundits alike have been at full-throated freakout. Former Reagan administration acolyte, chief of staff of Attorney General Edwin Meese, and of course, television and radio personality, air quotes, guy has a law degree. Yeah, he's a lawyer. Mark Levin, reacting thusly. I'll tell you something, there are tens of millions of us. You have crossed the Rubicon twice, uh-huh. which has never been done. And we will never forgive you. Never, ever. And that's the bottom line. I'm done. So I guess I'm not invited to his Hanukkah party this season? Okay. Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Uh, no matter what I say, I mean, the American people will reject this. The American people, uh, uh, except for the ones that have been brainwashed, and unfortunately, you know, there are a fair number that have been, <laughs> but people who have retained their common sense, mm. I mean, how, exactly how many times can they frame Trump and you don't realize what scoundrels they are, how crooked they are, and how we, basically we, this Biden regime has sold out to China and the reason they're afraid of Trump, there are a lot of reasons, but one of the main ones is he's the only one that's ever stood up to China. Fox News hostess Laura Ingraham and Senator Josh Hawley. Going back to, you know, Senate leadership here. I mean, I, you cannot, as an office holder in the, in the Republican Party, sit by, even if you can't stand Trump for policy reasons, personal, whatever it is, this is your moment to step forward and say, we can't allow this to continue to happen to our institutions, not to the Justice Department, the FBI, CIA, Intel. We can't continue this because you're right. Banana Republic. How this, this is, is what they this is what Putin does. This is what Xi does. <laughs> this is not what we do in our exactly. country. We have elections. Allow the election to take place. But Mitch McConnell, this uh, is your moment, my we, friend. We did. Let's, let's hear from you tonight. We did. I would just say that this is not about Donald Trump, ultimately. This is about the United States of America. This is about whether the Constitution is still real in this country. This is about whether any American, any American, can expect the due process of law. And make no mistake, if Merrick Garland can send a SWAT team to the homes of pro-life Catholics to terrorize them, if he can call parents domestic terrorists, if he can jail or try to jail Biden's political opponents, he can do whatever he wants to any American. That is what this is about, and that's now what we're fighting for. Sorry, but Senator Hawley, this is part of due process, and this isn't a Biden administration tool. This was a grand jury of citizens in Florida, a red state, I might add, that decided that all the evidence they saw compelled them to say he should be indicted. It wasn't Jack Smith. It wasn't Merrick Garland. It was a grand jury of citizens of the United States. This is due process. And as Jack Smith said in today's press conference, the defendants must be presumed innocence until proven guilty. What did he say? Without a doubt? Beyond all reasonable doubt? That's 
That's due process. That's exactly what our legal system is set up for. The right's going to have their lemmings telling you over the weekend that this is all about Trump. Or Josh Hawley says it's not about Trump, but it is. It's about Trump. It's about Trump and anyone who aided him in the hiding of documents that he wasn't supposed to have in the first place. I heard one of the crazy things that uh, has come out in the last 24 hours was uh, this story about how, uh, here it is, August or September 2021 at the Bedminster Club, that is the golf course that Donald Trump owns. Is that the one the ex-wife's buried in? Anyway, Trump showed a representative of his political action committee, that could be anybody, who did not possess a security clearance, a classified map related to a military operation, and told the representative that he should not be showing it to the representative and that the representative should not get too close. And then there's this headline from this last March from Rolling Stone magazine. Kid Rock says Trump turned to him for advice on how to handle North Korea. Kid Rock's quote was, we're looking at maps and and I'm like, am I supposed to be in on this That's what Kid Rock told Tucker Carlson. Kid Rock! Donald Trump was showing classified information, allegedly, potentially, we're just connecting dots here, to Kid fucking Rock? Y'all, this is the upside down. This is so Twilight zone it's not even funny. I'm not convinced, by the way, that the Mayans were not right in their calendars and that the world did not end in 2012 because all the real crazy has been happening ever since then. Kid Rock may have been looking at classified intelligence while the former president of the United States was showing it to him at a damn golf club? Oh my God. Please let this be true. It's so outrageous and so audacious and stupid. Kid Rock is looking at classified information and Donald Trump is going to him for advice? Oh my God. Josh Hawley again on Laura Ingram. If the president in power can just jail his political opponents, which is what Joe Biden is trying to do tonight, we don't have a republic anymore. We don't have the rule of law. We don't have the Constitution. Our Constitution is built on the basic rule of law and due process, and nobody should be in doubt of what's happening tonight. Joe Biden and his cronies are trying to take out their chief political opponent. This has never happened before in American history, Laura. We are in dangerous, dangerous waters, and it is because of Joe Biden. I I hate to remind Josh Hawley because he had a front row seat January 6th until he bolted out, scampered out the building. January 6th was a threat to our republic, a legit threat, and they've wanted to just brush it off. In fact, they're hoping to elect someone president who will pardon anyone and everyone who was charged in that actual threat to the republic. And by the way, the peaceful transition of power, I believe it's covered in the Constitution as well. But this this howling about lack of due process, dude, he's not been found guilty. He's going to be tried in a court of law. I love this. Donald Trump, two sets of indictments now, one state level, one federal. He could potentially get a bench trial in New York, but he's going to have to deal with the prosecution on the federal level, which means a jury trial, a jury of his peers. Hey, the American people get to decide this. Seriously. But all this whining and howling about lack of due process from the right, from the white conservative right, 
really? Now y'all got some issues with the judicial system? Now you got some issues with law enforcement bias? Hello? But this is due process. The man's going to have his day in court as early as Tuesday from what I hear. But I also want to caution those on the right from thinking, oh, even if he's found guilty, he can still run for president. Yes, he can still run for president. He may be behind bars. Reality winner comes to mind. Her sentence, 63 months in prison. The longest ever imposed in federal court for an unauthorized release of government information. She coughed it up to the media. Donald Trump was showing it to, we don't know this is for a, for a fact, we don't know this is true, but you can connect the dots. Donald Trump was apparently showing classified intel of a military nature to Ki- Kid Rock. Mm. All right. More on show after this on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to the Ron Show for Friday. And what a day it is. Donald Trump, again indicted, again, former president of the United States, former Republican president of the United States, still current leader of the GOP by all counts. Donald Trump, 37 more indictments, the Espionage Act among them. And the, the scuttlebutt is because he showed on a golf course Kid Rock some sensitive information of a military nature. Uh, I hate to tell the lady this, but it would appear that maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene got herself into some hot water as well. Uh, Again, from Laura Ingraham last night. What we read today in the skiff, and I I want to let everyone know, this was an unclassified document. This is a document that all of America should be able to see, but the FBI is stonewalling us and they would only let us see it in a skiff. Well, what I did after reading the document is I made notes when I walked out and I went to the table and I wrote down everything that I had just read oh my God. so that I could come out and tell the American people what I read. And it- so there's a problem with that. As Representative Green said, this is a document she believes that all the American people should see. However, all the American people can't see it because she herself had to go into what is called a skiff. You'll have to forgive me. That is called a sensitive compartmented information facility. It's kind of like a padded room. She had to go into a padded room with like no ventilation. Oh, well, to dream a dream. Uh, no ventilation, uh, no windows, yada, 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 to look at a document that she described um, while speaking to Laura Ingraham uh, last night. She said the document was, quote, unclassified. But a skiff is usually only used for very sensitive information. And lawmakers in general have to check all electronic devices before going in and cannot take notes while inside. That's the first violation of the law. And usually information revealed in the skiff cannot be repeated outside of it. So her just even holding up a piece of paper on cable television last night was another violation of the law. She held up the notes she took in a skiff to the camera. If that information was classified, it sure looks to me like Marjorie Taylor Greene confessed to a crime last night on Fox News. And hey, if the information wasn't classified, Speaker McCarthy 
should still be looking at removing her privileges for violating the trust she was afforded as a member of Congress to review sensitive information in that skiff because it was sensitive information. If it wasn't classified, it was at least sensitive information. Information that she wafted her notes onto cable television. You think, well, no big deal. It was only up there a second. You don't think people take screen grabs? Now, what she was holding up was some stuff that is getting bantered about, kicked around by a few folks in the House, Republicans who have this wet dream of somehow impeaching. Joe, well, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene's at the head of that line, looking to impeach Joe Biden uh, over alleged bribery insinuations involving Burisma in the Ukraine. Hunter Biden was an employee of Burisma, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> the problem is, well, Marjorie's pretty, no, actually, let's go with it. Marjorie's pretty confident she's going to be able to get Joe Biden impeached. I want to tell you this. The evidence that I read today, Joe Biden should be impeached. This isn't, this isn't even something that should be no. disputed. He should be impeached um, oh, and yeah. also prosecuted. This, this is an etch-a-sketch of bank records. As we learned while Donald Trump was president, impeaching a president requires a really high bar. So we could sit here and play the what about game and what should have happened. And there are those on the right who would never confess it publicly, but deep down in their soul know that they missed an opportunity themselves to salvage the party's credibility by allowing for one of the two impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump to actually carry some weight in a divided U.S. Senate. You know the likes of Mitch McConnell. He would have loved... Deep down inside, you know right now he would have loved to said, I'm gonna hop in my hot tub time machine and go back and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna vote to impeach the man. I mean it was an obvious case in, in both cases, really. Were it not for the obstruction and the lack of complicity and the Mueller investigation, the perfect call to the Ukraine. It was not a perfect call to Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, I think hindsight being 2020, a lot of party first Republicans, man, they'd love to be rid of the stain that is the Donald Trump legacy. But because nobody governs in hindsight, it's all about the now and immediate impact. They weren't going to do it. They weren't going to do it. And they're still afraid to a large extent to speak ill of the man. Chris Christie jumping into the presidential race. And, and I have a theory that the only reason he's running isn't actually to win. No, I think he's in it to say the things that nobody else on the dais right now has the stones to say. That's not just my theory. I floated this theory with conservative friends of mine. Yes, I have a couple of conservative friends. The theory being that Chris Christie is just going to stay in long enough to get on the debate dais because I think he's the guy who torpedoes Trump 2.0. Wouldn't shock me to see if there were a lot of never-Trump money going to his campaign just to keep him on the dais. No matter how poorly he polls, and he polls poorly, or how early votes shake out in some of the early primary states. Anything to derail the orange menace. Because I think his, his line of attack and his debate skill make him a lethal weapon. If not a contender, it makes him a lethal weapon to delegitimize Donald Trump while allowing for somebody else to walk through the door.
But I also happen to think, it, it, I got to credit my friend Daryl for this. He thought about this. My friend Daryl, my, my Cajun buddy, my New Orleans amigo. My friend Daryl says, uh, I don't see any reason why Donald Trump should even show up to a debate. Oh, I didn't think about that. But you know, that's the one way to avoid being dressed down by your opponents, being out debated by the own the libs superior. DeSantis is an own the liber type. He's he's no different than Donald Trump, except he's actually he's actually not a moron. And Chris Christie is a lot like Donald Trump. Very New Jersey, New Yorkish, very tough guy, tough talk. Not very tough people, physically speaking, but still. So if Donald Trump doesn't show up, he can just tweet from his truth social account and get his message out to his followers and not face the blowback. That's something to consider as well. Anyway, more Ron Show after this on America One Radio. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. As we wind up the week into the weekend, I want to play a reaction that Donald Trump had to allegations of mishandling classified documents. This was not just extreme carelessness with classified material, which is still totally disqualifying. Right? This is calculated, deliberate, premeditated Uh. misconduct, followed by a cover-up that included false statements Mm -hmm. and lies to Congress, Mm. the media, and the American people. Yeah, that person should be locked up. Wait a minute. He was not saying, that wasn't the last 24, that was, oh, that was in the 2016 presidential cycle. He was talking about her and her emails. Well, well, well. Anyway, I just wanted to share that little nugget. I just thought it was like some prescient audio. Um, If you're going to be in New Orleans early next week, even if you're not gay, I'm going to just tell you, even if you're not gay, download the Grindr app. (laughs) You're asking me why? Uh, Not to to score a date with someone of the same gender. I think Grindr is more for guys. I don't know what the lesbian version of Grindr is. The jokes are there. I'm not even going to. Anyway, download. If you're going to be in New Orleans, Tuesday and Wednesday. In fact, I'm going to tell my friend Daryl to download Grindr. Um, in fact, I'm going to I'm going to tell all my friends in New Orleans. Even if you don't, my my my, my lady friend Cat. Cat. Cat is a love her to pieces. She is a classic rock DJ down there. Cat, download Grindr. Um, <clears throat> because. Tuesday and Wednesday, more than 12,000 Southern Baptist messengers will be gathering for their annual meeting. And I guarantee it, of those 12,000 Southern Baptist folks that are going to be there, there'll be a handful who will be checking in on the app just to see what the local culture is like. By the way, the Southern Baptist, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, full disclosure. Uh, the hot button issues facing Southern Baptists this year. Women at the pulpit. Huh. Also, how the Southern Baptist Church handles sex abuse reform. See, it's not just a Catholic thing. Hmm. Oh, and they also had partnered with uh, a third party uh, investigator called Guidepost Solutions 
which um, supported the LGBTQ movement during Pride Month in a tweet. Yeah, they. <laughs> what is the what is the meme? Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was a meme that's been floating around about uh, Happy Pride, Happy Pride Month to all the Southern Baptist choir directors and their roommate. Air quote. Which is funny because the church that I grew up in, the choir director wasn't gay, but Stephen, who was easily one of the top two singers in the court. And I sang. I I put on the robe and sat back there and watched Mr. Mr. Bill take naps in the corner. <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen, Stephen's gay. And I think he was the choir director for a minute. Anyway, so yeah, that that'll be a, a th- also also let's not forget the Georgia GOP convention going on in Columbus, Georgia. Columbus not normally a convention hotbed, but if you're in Columbus this weekend for whatever reason, maybe you're going down there to partake in the Georgia GOP convention. I'm just saying if if you don't already have the app, don't download Grinder. And I mean, you, you you won't be. Here's the crazy thing: at the Georgia GOP convention, and there are those who are going to say, "Ron, you're being homophobic to your own." No, I'm not. I'm going to point out the hypocrisy <laughs> when it's there. And I'm not saying that there can't be gay Southern Baptists. Uh, I'm saying if you're Southern Baptist and you're gay, why are you on the Grinder app? It's not eHarmony. Just saying. But the Georgia GOP convention is not exactly friendly turf for gay Republicans. The The MAGA wing of the GOP is looking to remove and make it illegal for gay Republicans to have any place in leadership and you're gonna go you're gonna partake i don't get it i just don't like i I don't want to be where i'm not welcome i don't want to be where i'm either quietly or behind my back insulted and i know i go into gay bars all the time (laughs) so there's some irony But that's not the only purity test on the line at the Georgia GOP convention, where, by the way, Donald will be speaking along with loser Carrie Lake from Arizona, who by most presumptions would be his VP pick if he were to win the nomination. No, there's also, uh, you know, there's growing clout. This is this is why some of the less crazy of the crazies, the, the Brian Kemp's, they're staying away from this convention. Because a lot of the far-right activists have really grab the reins and they're looking to punish perceived traitors by blocking them from even running as Republicans in the future. Delicious. Please do this. Split your party. Please. As a progressive liberal, I'm begging you split your party, create that third party. Democrats will win. And at some point in time, Maybe those who are a little more on the progressive end than the moderate end of the Democratic Party might decide, well, we may do the same thing. 
a four-party system of governance probably does a better job in this country than a two-party system. I mean, I, it, it's hard to argue that the two-party system's been very effective for us for a while anyway. So why not try three and then four? I mean, I, I think in an ideal world, you're probably looking at like a four to six party system that would have everyone with representation at the table anyway. But that's that's what we could be looking at uh, at the Georgia GOP convention. But I'm telling you, if you're going to be in Columbus during the convention, you have to download Grinder, even if you're not gay, even if you're not a guy. Just make up a, you know what? Use my picture. I don't care. Have at it. This is going to be like, Maybe six, twelve, maybe it could be a half dozen or more Rons down there. Handsome bald fellas. And if you uh, do know me and you're in Columbus, you're like, hey, did I see you on Grinder several times? Oh, I was all over the place. Anyway, download the app if you're going to be in Columbus this weekend for the uh, Georgia GOP convention. If you're going to be in New Orleans Tuesday and Wednesday for the Southern Baptist convention, or if you're just going to, why would you, why would you be listening to me and then be at the Southern? If you happen to be in New Orleans, I should say, <laughs> Tuesday and Wednesday, download Grinder and Tell me what you see. Just tell me what you I don't want to know. I know who's going to be watching Donald Trump's speech at the Georgia GOP convention this weekend. I mean, the man is just really good at saying things that incriminate himself. So why wouldn't they? While you and I restfully put our heads on couches and in beds, free of worry that we'll have to listen to a Donald Trump speech this weekend, poor old Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis, and her staff will be gritting their teeth listening to the whole thing. Okay, enough of that fun. Up next, Media Matters senior climate and energy writer Evlando Cooper on to talk about the lack of coverage, never mind the disparity, in climate issues like the Supreme Court gutting the Clean Water Act. We'll discuss that next on The Ron Show, the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at ronshowatl. The Ron Show on America One Radio. So I know everyone is just laser focused on Trump indictments here in Atlanta. Cop City has grabbed the headlines, but quietly and behind the scenes. And that's how that's how the nefarious stuff really tends to happen. Behind the scenes on May 25th, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled unanimously in favor, unanimously now in favor of a wealthy Idaho couple by the name of Michael and uh, Chantel Sackett. That was uh, Sackett v. the EPA. 14-year legal battle in which they fought to do construction near protected wetlands without a permit. And right-wing media has been spending their time to discredit reactions around the Supreme Court's decisions to gut the Clean Water Act. Uh, Media Matters of America, our friends, they are constantly watching media antics. They found that national TV news barely covered this decision to leave millions of acres of wetlands vulnerable and jeopardize, quote, access to safe drinking water to millions of of Americans. Joining me to talk about this, Media Matters senior climate energy writer, Evlando Cooper. Evlando, how are you? I'm pretty good. How you doing today? I'm good. So on the whole, you can sort of understand why major media in general hasn't found this story nearly salacious enough to cover with everything else going on. You have to confess that, right? Well, you know, I think it's a matter of priorities. I think there's room to cover the news of the day, Mm -hmm. but we also think it's very important to cover stories like this, which have long-term ramifications and harms for millions of people, Mm -hmm. but a material harm to the lives of millions of people. 
But but the attention span of the American viewer or radio audience is about the now. It's about what's what's affecting me now, what's soon to come, not far-reaching, not down-the-road sort of things. And so if they can go to their sink and open the faucet and get a clean glass of water, they think they're fine. Help me bridge that gap a little bit, and uh, let's explain to our listeners why this decision has implications that should chill us to the bone. Yeah, so well, first of all, the implication that it's clean could very well be false. <laughs> yeah. We know for a fact, <laughs> I mean, we know for a fact that there's a lead water crisis that affects millions of people in this country, mm-hmm. a lot of them in poor and disadvantaged communities. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Supreme Court has also worked to roll back uh, Clean Air Act protections in West Virginia versus EPA, another decision that they handed down. And we see the impact of wildfire smoke right now on millions of Americans. Mm-hmm. So I think that the implication that, you know, as long as I can open my tap or the air is invisibly dirty, everything's okay is wrong. Mm-hmm. But I don't put that on the news consumer. It's the media's job to find a way to balance all these priorities and inform people about what's going on in their lives and the things that they need to be aware of mm-hmm. so they can take action on these important issues. But do you do you not also see like like I said, there's just been so much that's gone on just this. It's just since May 25th. There's so much tabloid like stuff in and out of politics that's just grabbed the viewers' attention. And the the media, the way this country is set up, it's almost all for profit media. And yes. talking about clean air and water just doesn't. It's not as salacious. No, it's not salacious, but it's meaningful. And not to jump to another topic but you know we see how media covers these issues and especially the media centers in new york washington dc the power center mm-hmm. when they're directly affected by it all right so we you know we saw a huge uptick in and coverage about the wildfires right. because that has a direct material impact on people who actually report on the news mm-hmm. so you know i think that this i think that the supreme court decision if not now then in the future when when water quality erodes and people aren't getting uh, the quality of water they're accustomed to and people are being sick and harmed from this, it'll be too late to begin <laughs> to, to begin covering the issue. Well, I'm glad you brought that up being, you know, New York being media center. Uh, if you think upriver of New York, you're, you're looking at blue states for the most part that don't have lax yeah. environmental policies. So that may never be an issue for the media center of the free world. Uh, CNN famously just pulled out of Atlanta here recently. So they're not going to be in an area surrounded by red states where they're going to face the impact. Although the water quality in Atlanta is up for much debate and, and, and something we've talked about yeah. a lot here with the uh, South River watershed and the, uh, the Atlanta police uh, training facility slated to go in in Southwest DeKalb. But again, it, there, there may not be a foreseeable future where the media center of the world and where a lot of our you know, journalistic coverage comes from is going to personally be affected by this decision. Yeah. They, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's hard to say which specific municipalities or cities may be affected by any specific policy. Mm. So I think beyond kind of naked self-interest, the media has a job to inform people of of what they need to know, whether they're personally impacted or not. Mm -hmm. But we do know for a fact, if you look at coverage of hurricane Ida, 
that no one is going to escape the impacts of climate change largely. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you want to separate into environmental impacts, like I said, we know that, that uh, um, disadvantaged communities suffer uh, more from those. But if you look at the larger world of climate impacts, um, we're all in it together and we need to start treating these issues with the urgency that, that, the, that it deserves, that they deserve. We are on with Evlando Cooper, Media Matters Senior Climate and Energy Writer. Well, you know, now that you mention what is and isn't being covered by mainstream media, and this isn't just necessarily a right-wing, left-wing source sort of thing either. ProPublica came out with a, a piece earlier this week that talked about how, like, not long down the road, about a third of humanity will be living in an unlivable area of the Earth. We're talking about the... Uh, the the equator uh, taking on water as we we lose sea ice in the Arctic. That's not a story that's making a whole lot of headlines either. Yeah, and I I, I neglected to mention another reason why it's important that at least mainstream news courses, uh, uh, um, networks divorce divorce some resources to cover these issues because in that vacuum, right-wing media is covering these issues, but they're covering it uh, using climate misinformation environmental misinformation. Mm-hmm. So in that vacuum, misinformation thrives and it actually erodes the public consensus around climate change. It erodes the people uh, wanting to see climate action. Mm-hmm. So it's another reason why news, mainstream news out, um, outlets have a responsibility to, rec- to cover important climate issues, whether it's global climate issues or national and local climate issues. Unfortunately, the NBC News and the CBS and ABC Nightly, they, they have 30 minutes a night. So it, it's, it's a lot to ask when you have uh, people with, with asthmatic issues like, like we've noticed this week in Baltimore and in, in Washington, Philadelphia, New York. Baseball games being canceled. I can't find it throughout Major League Baseball history, uh, a situation where a, a game had been smoked out because of visibility. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know where I was going with that, but there's just only so much time. And so I guess the question is, what, what, what do we do to, to, to make sure that the mainstream media outlets find the time to cover this? Or is, is it just going to be one of those deals where it's only going to happen when somebody pulls a fire alarm and we, we are literally left with nowhere to go? Well, let me pose a question. All right. Uh, our annual broadcast study looked at uh, climate coverage for the, for the whole year. Okay. We've been doing it every year for, for a decade now. And even in years when the networks are doing ostensibly good, climate coverage is still about 1% of the entire coverage for the, for the, for the year. Mm-hmm. So do we think that climate change deserves more than 1% of <laughs> news coverage? I think we'd both if agree so, to that, yeah. We think there's a lot of room, right, there's a lot of room in all that, in that coverage for them to devote more attention to, to climate. And I'd love to dive into what you guys characterize as climate change coverage, uh, Again, when you know when a hurricane is striking uh, a coast, uh, do y'all consider that climate change coverage, or is that just normal meteorology, uh, meteorological coverage? Or if if someone even mentions climate change in the story, does that count? Does the whole story? You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I could sit here and mince that uh, uh, a million ways, but uh, I, I guess that's that's one of the questions I would have. So. When I brought up the ProPublica piece earlier, uh, talking about the, the, the mass migration, that is, well, we're already seeing the effects of it, and it's only going to get worse over the next, uh, you know, two to three decades. The right doesn't seem to be able to, to, to connect those dots either, do they? Uh, they're, they're, they're quick to want to install a wall at the southern border, 
and and not realize that well the the, the climate change issues that folks living along the equator and south of our border are bringing people here as well. Well, it's interesting. A lot one of one of our concerns and something we're keeping an eye on is the idea that um, eventually we expect to see a shift, and we've already saw it a little bit, as in in what's termed ecofascism, mm. where it becomes undeniable that climate change is driving um, migration from the global south. Then that in turn becomes cause for a more nationalistic, even more so now than we hear. Um, around the issue of immigration, a more nationalistic approach to keeping people out of the country. There are going to be issues around internal migration depending on um, climate impacts on the South and the East Coast. So um, whether they, you know, poo-poo the idea of climate change now, the material reality is that going, it's, it's, we're going to see more of these kind of migrations, and we have to be prepared to push back on those who would um, push uh, eco-fascist um, notions and policies. We're on with Evlando Cooper. He is the Media Matters for America's senior climate and energy writer. He is on to discuss the lack of, not just disparate, but complete lack of environmental coverage. Recent Supreme Court ruling uh, basically has given Katie Barr the door to those who wish to uh, toxify your drinking water. Uh, Evlando, who's doing a credible job of covering this stuff? Well, I mean, I have to give uh, props to a lot of print and online uh, news outlets. Typically, you see much more deeply in substantive reported stories about these issues. Um, and every now and then, we, you know, in our work, we try to highlight notable segments good. Um, from cable and broadcast news where, where, they, where they do a good job of kind of covering the whole issue. Mm-hmm. We do want to give kudos to that. I think our biggest concern is the lack of consistency in coverage of these stories. And so we would like to see um, an increased volume and increased consistency in how um, in how they report on, on environmental stories like the Supreme Court decision. Is there a sense of audience fatigue when it comes to talking about climate change and environmental impact by industry? That's interesting. And, you know, something you've heard some journalists um, say, like I say, I think with 1% of coverage, I think there is concern that the constant um, doomsday coverage of climate could be audience fatiguing, but mm-hmm. there's no there's no rules and they can't report on climate solutions. There are a lot of exciting things happening in the renewable energy space. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are a lot of uh, things happening in the activist space. There are people trying to push climate policy, climate mitigation policies that could stop some of the worst consequences of climate change. So we want to see more reporting on that as well, on solutions-oriented reporting as well, not just the doom and gloom. I got you. I got you. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I, I almost get a sense of uh, fatalistic eventualism where like, it, well, there's nothing we can do about it. It's already going to happen. Whatever yeah, it is. Know, it's interesting. I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I think even that's the case, um, I think they still have a journalistic responsibility to present the problem as is mm-hmm. and also to pre- pre- present solutions because you know, the fatalism isn't up to the journalists gatekeeping the issue. It's up to the people to decide how they want to enact these policies in their lives. But if they don't know about it, they don't know about the consequences, if they don't know about the potential solutions, then there are a lot of people that would do something about climate change, that would do something about environmental uh, degradation that just don't have the information they need to do so. 
Fair enough, man. You've got a hard job. Senior climate energy writer Evlando Cooper with Media Matters for America. You can find his reporting at MediaMatters.org. Thanks for doing the good work and keep uh, keep these journalists honest, my man. Keep them busy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, that's going to do it for today's show and for the week as well. Back here on Monday, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, and wherever you podcast, listen to any of the past episodes you'd like at ronshowatl.com. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.